0: righteous. You are God of all gods, and there is no other. You are righteous, you're good, you're gracious, you're kind, you're just perfect in all your ways. Father, we lift up today our praise before you. Lord, we ask You to come and to be in our presence this morning and speak into our lives through Your Word. And yet, Father, even in asking that, we, we come and we tremble at the thought of God moving in us, moving upon us. Lord, we ask today that You would move, that You would speak. You would give us hearts to obey. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as you heard, little feet running, um, as Shannon took the children up today, um, we're gonna we're, we're hoping to uh, get uh, children's church kicked back off again first uh, of February, full time with with teams. We uh, able to handle that, so that's that's the plan be praying for those folks as they um, as they serve you, by taking the little ones up and serving them. And, uh, we pray for, for our folks as we do that. Um, I don't think there's any need for me to talk about the connection card this morning necessarily. I think everybody here knows, um, fill out what you need to on the front. Um, everybody make sure that Eric does his, because he's refusing to at the moment, spirit of disobedience. <laughs> um, and then uh, anything on the back, any uh, next steps that God speaks to you about in this message or anything today that He's spoken to you about and prayer request and we'll be praying for you this week. Well, we're starting a brand new series today. Um we're calling it Bethlehem After Effects. We could not think of a good, cool name, um so we thought of that one. <laughs> um And really what we're doing is we're walking out of that Christmas season as as we walked towards Bethlehem. We were bound for Bethlehem. and uh, So uh, this series we really wanted to take it out of coming out of that series of Bethlehem and and the, the message of Christmas. By definition, an after effect is the results of an event. It's an effect that Follows its cause. There was a cause, and there's an effect. It's a delayed effect, one that follows after the stimulus has produced it. So if you think about that, in this idea of what we're talking about, what was the stimulus of Bethlehem, the birth of the Redeemer? It's the story of Jesus, the, the life, death, resurrection, what that means. What are the after effects of that for we who are believers? And as we we, we talk about this, we, we want to really put a, a definition between there. Some, some definition between the effects that should be recognizable in every one of us who have come in contact with. <coughs> with the events of Bethlehem. Not necessarily those who know about it, because the world around us knows about the Christmas story. Not necessarily those that are aware of it, but those who have been impacted by what happened when God came to live among men in the flesh. So what are some of the results that follow after someone has been stimulated? Born again. That's the stimulation of Bethlehem. We've been born again. So, what are some of the after effects of being born again by the cause of God coming to man? To you specifically. This morning. I want you to be thinking about that. What are the after effects? We want to begin where we left off with the story of the birth of Christ. We left off with Pastor Mark preaching a message to us about the wise men. So I want to take us back to that thought. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says, The wise men came to the house where the child was with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened the boxes of gifts that they had brought to him. They gave him treasures of gold frankincense and myrrh. They traveled all this distance because of Bethlehem. And after the child was born, they came and they bowed and they worshiped. And they gave him gifts from their own stores. What was from them? We begin this series today with the after effect of worship. I think that ought to be the primary after effect of being bound to Bethlehem. I think that ought to be the, the primary after effect of anyone who has been impacted by the birth of Christ. The only impacting that comes by the birth of Christ is being born again by the Spirit of God, being redeemed, being saved. If you and I are here today and we're born again, I think the first and primary after effect of that is we should stop and bow down and worship the God who redeemed us. We were all just talking about the amazing gift of grace. How undeserved it is. If that's really true, Well, worship. Worship comes from an old English word that was worth-ship. It was the value, the worth, the recognition of the value of something. The dictionary defines it this way. Reverent honor paid to any object regarded as sacred. Reverent honor. Something important enough to justify its value. It's got to be important enough to justify the value that you place in it. Is God important enough in your life to value? Justify the value that you place. An excellence of character or quality, commanding esteem. It's so valuable. It's so important. It has such obvious Wealth and worth—that it commands that you esteem it highly, regard it as sacred—is that the way we view Jesus? Is that we—is that the way that we who are the church view God? Or has God just become our buddy? Has God just been become the one that's going to take care of the need that I have? The doctor that's going to fix my my ailing health. The the banker who's going to meet my financial need. The, The partner that's going to satisfy the wants I need of this life. Or is he going to be the God of all heaven and earth? That as we were just singing about. That all creation responds to the very name of God. Is that the God... your worship. Because that's the God of Bethlehem. That's the God who stepped out of heaven to be birthed in a manger. To live a sinless life. We talked this morning in Sunday school about about the rich young ruler and how he he wanted to justify himself by saying he had done all the kept all the law from his childhood. And yet there was one. We talked about how impossible that was and, and all the the false denying that that had to come from within himself. But there was one who from the very moment he was born never once in word or thought or deed ever committed a sin in his life. And that one sacrificially gave himself for you and I that we could have fellowship with God. That we have relationship with God, it will be restored. So, I want, to, I want to do something a little different this morning. I want us to think for a little while, little while this morning about worship. I want us to talk a little bit about worship. And it's going to be a little different message from this standpoint, it's going to be more of a thinking message. I want you to really dwell on what we're talking about. Not just listen and and, and hear the the words of scripture Order, but I want you to think about the, the depth of this. See, here's what I know about worship. Any worship, all worship, must have an object. Worship doesn't exist if there's not something you're worshiping. There has to be an object for there to be worship. There's always someone or something to which worship is directed. It may be God, but it could be an idol of some kind. It could be something else. But rest assured, if there's worship, there's an object of worship. great theologian and preacher Spurgeon once said, I believe a very large majority of churchgoers are merely unthinking, slumbering worshipers of an unknown God. I want you to think about that for a minute. Could that possibly be true? Could it be true of you and I? Are we just kind of going through the motions? We show up at church because it's where we're supposed to be. We get up in the mornings and, and the God who spoke morning into existence cause the sun to rise again another day this magnificent holy one of heaven who has a relationship with you but are you in a relationship with him are you just merely slumbering through worshiping just the day Are we just sleepwalking through this thing that we do each week? See, Paul met, the reason why I know that happens is Paul met a group of people like that in Athens. Remember when he went to Athens, he was waiting uh, on some of his other disciple friends and he goes to Athens and he's walking around the city of Athens. And Athens was known to have God's idols all over the city. You could walk through and you could find an idol to the God of, of, of Moab and the God of Ammon and the god of whatever, the sun god, the the, the cow god, the which King, the the all the gods, you know, whatever they were. And then the Bible says that in chapter Acts chapter 17, then Paul stood up before the meeting of the Aeropolis, which is there, excuse me. I can't even say that word now, just He went up before all these people where they gathered together and they would. Gather together and they would discuss spiritual things. And he went before this council and he said, Men of Athens, everything I see here tells me that you are very religious. Do you think people drive up and down 21 today? And they see parking lots of churches filled with cars and they say, Everything I see tells me you're very religious. Paul said, I was going through your city. And I saw the things you worship, And I found an altar that had three words written on it. Or these words written on it. To an unknown God. You're so serious about worship, you're going to worship what you don't even know. In case I missed one, let's put up a thing over here. I'm just going to go stand and worship this plaque to this God. Because there may be one I'm missing. He said, you worship a God you don't even know. Could that be said of the church? Could that be said of us? Are we worshiping a God that we don't really even know? Worship has an object to which that worship is directed even if you say that you don't believe in a God. Or if the God you say you worship is blindly unknown to you, there's still an object of that worship. I was thinking about what that could mean, what that could be, and, and, and I want to ask you, what what could be your object of worship? What is sacred to you? Now I know what we say, but what's sacred to you? Could it be family? Could it be your spouse? to be your kids you know when your kids are little somehow they just they, they, they're, they're they're everything to you I mean because they take so much time it, it, it consumes your life but can they become an object of worship how about your parents you get to a point where you get in life and your parents get older and they become that consuming fire in your life and they become your point of worship because everything is focused to them. How about this? How about wealth or ease? How about money? Or a standard of living? We have to live a certain way. You know, do, do we look at where we live? And worship where we live? Because, you know, Lord, help me if I have to live in Cuba or... Tibet, or some poor African country, or our political system? Does your system have to be in place for everything to be right in the (coughs) world? How about yourself? I kind of think for me, this is my biggest struggle. Because I worship me an awful lot. Because it's about my pleasure. What time I eat. What I eat. How much I eat. If I don't like that, I ain't eating. You know, there's so many, so many wives and mothers that must pull their hair out because they have picky family members that eat. And I'm not eating what, what they fix. If you don't fix what I want, I ain't eating it. around my house... Hey, you didn't eat. That's just the way it was, you know. But, but how, you know, are we that way? What about recognition? It's amazing to me, that not in our church. It really is not something in our church. But I've been in churches where, where if you didn't get the recognition, you know, the platform people, if you got to come up on the platform, you were more important. If I didn't get to come I want to be able to go up on the platform. Well, here it is. Come on up. <laughs> yeah, ain't nothing special up here except you can fall off. What about attention? Do you seek attention? I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm amazed. And y'all know that I'm not a Facebook person. You know, I'm not a social media person. I think there can be some great things with social media, but I think social media for the most part is detrimental to our society and to our health mentally. Because the little bit I have looked at it, people try to put all this false foot forward <coughs> about who they are, and what they are, instead of the reality. Nobody ever puts on Facebook, you know, my life is really boring today. <laughs> you know, I had a bowl of cereal. <laughs> you no, know, you know they want to they want to put out all the stuff that's special and big. <coughs> I laughed about that because I sent a I sent a picture text. Of, of, I'm on a group with Metzger, with Mark, and, and Allison. We encourage and talk to each other all week. Then I sent a picture yesterday morning with a cup of coffee and a piece of cake. And I said, <laughs> Oh, happy day. <laughs> I was having a good day. Made uh, a cake and it looked good. But but the funny thing was, when I looked at it, that, that looked pretty good. Yeah, they were a pretty awesome little picture. It's just, it was a Box cake with a tub of it. Looked really good. And that didn't it though? But I mean literally it was a box of Duncan Hines stuff with some one of those little tubs of what? no it was frosting and, and I took and it looked so bad listen it looked so bad because the cake wanted to crumble up with the frosting so I thought God looks awful. I'm the only one in the house. I mean, me and Ben and Amy who were looking at. Nobody's going to care. But well, that looks terrible. So I got a bottle of chocolate syrup out. <laughs> covered up. It looked great, though, didn't it? <laughs> it looked great. But I promise you, it tastes just like a box of cake. Um, it's not anything special. But that's what we do. We put out that kind of vibe. We want attention. We want that in our lives. So let me ask you, what is the object of your worship this morning? Ask yourself this question. question, What drives my thoughts and my attitudes and my experiences throughout the week? What drives them? What motivates me this week? What moves me? the answer will most likely point you in the direction of your object of worship. That's, that's a harsh statement if you're honest. But it's a true statement. It might help you understand where you are. But two, every object of worship has a system of belief Um, I'm not Muslim. I know very little of the traditions and teachings of the Muslim faith. But I know that they're pretty rigid in some things. The one thing I do know is certain times a day, so many times a day, you pray, you stop, um, and you pray towards Mecca. It's a very standard ritual. Judaism, certain standard rituals that if you're going to be a if you're going to be a observant Jewish follower to obey the laws certain things you can do and can't do Um, I I know in in quote Christianity Catholicism there's certain things that you have to do most Baptist churches have all those unwritten rules that, that we have out there But every object of worship has a system of belief. When people or cultures adopt an object of worship, it means also that they're accepting a system of belief. Every form of worship springs from a belief that there's something of value in this that deserves recognition from it. Don't you think about it. Everything that you worship has a certain system of belief. For we who are followers of Christ, see if that is true. Listen to what Mark eight thirty three through thirty six says. These are these are actually two passages we read this week. If you read in your devotional reading, chapter six through ten, Mark eight says. But Jesus turned and looked at his followers, and then he criticized Peter. This is right after Peter, just immediately, almost after Peter had declared. Jesus to be the Son of God on the Messiah. And immediately, Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Or to Peter, get away from me, Satan. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm going to go and I'm going to end up in Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me and I'm going to die. And I'm going to raise again. And Peter said, he grabbed him and said, no, Jesus, come here. Don't talk that way. You know what you're talking about. And Jesus immediately looked at Peter, the one who just called him the Son of God, and said, get away from me, Satan. You don't care. Now, listen to what he said. Now, we concentrate on those two things, but listen to why he said it. You don't care about the same things God does. You only care about the things that people think are important. Then Jesus crawled a crowd together and his followers and said to them, Any of you who want to be my follower must stop thinking about yourself and what you want. Do you want to follow God? Do you want to follow me, Jesus said? You've got to stop thinking about yourself and what the world wants from you. You must be willing to carry the cross that is given to you for following me. Any of you who try to save the life you have will lose it. But you who will give up your life for me and for the good news or the gospel will save me. It's worth nothing for you to have the whole world if you, you yourself are lost. System of belief. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Are you willing to give up this life? He said that's the only way to follow Him. Mark chapter 7, Jesus uh, was talking with the the Pharisees. And they were talking about um, doing the laws and different things. And Jesus answered and said, you're all hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? So it says one thing and does something different. Two-faced. One side looks one way, but the other side's another way. Isaiah was right when he wrote these words from God about you. Listen to his. Listen to what Jesus said is the problem. These people honor me with their words, but I'm not really important to them. I love Jesus. I love the church. I love the word. You Say what you want, but they're not. I'm not really important to you. How does he know that? He said their worship to me is worthless. The things they teach are only human rules. What he's talking about was the Pharisees talking about the Ten Commandments, the commands of God that God said you must obey, and all the things that they wrote in their own accord to try to cause people to do that. And it finally got to a place where people would do these things that man wrote and ignore those things that God said. And that's exactly what he said. These things are only human rules. You've stopped following God's commands, preferring instead the man-made rules you got from others. Now, just be honest with yourself, as I've had to try to be honest with me this week. Is your worship really your system of belief? You, You worship God. That's what we say, I worship Jesus. He is the object of my worship. Does your system of belief only words or is there truth in action behind it? Let's be honest with ourselves today. Who is it or what is it that we worship? Just like everyone has an object of worship, everyone has a system of belief that flows from that worship. Look around throughout history. The acts of worship. Look in the world today. Every one of them has a system of belief. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's what they believe. It doesn't matter if it's true according to God or if it's a lie according to God. It's what they believe. We all have a certain set of values and beliefs that direct our decisions and therefore our worship. If you're truly a follower of Jesus, these are some things that should dictate your worship. This should be the system of belief. Let me just give you a couple of passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Brothers and sisters, I want you to remember the good news, the gospel I told you. You received this good news message and you continue to base your life on it. Worship system. That good news, the message you heard from me is God's way to save you. You must continue believing it. If you don't, you believe for nothing. I gave you the message that I received. What was the system of belief? What is the system of belief that believers say they have? What what moves them? I told you the most important truth. That Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures say. That he was buried and raised to life on the third day, as the scriptures say. That he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve apostles. After that, Christ appeared to more than five hundred other believers at the same time. Most of them are still living today, but some have died. Then he appeared to James and later to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me. I was different, like a baby born from a old time. What was the message? Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Then He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to Scripture for the redemption of our sin. 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse number 16. This, This is your system of belief if you are a follower of Christ. Without a doubt, the secret of our life of worship is great. Christ was shown to us in human form. The Spirit proved that He was right. He was seen by angels. The message about Him was told to the nations. People in the world believed in Him. He was taken up to glory, heaven and glory. He was approved of by God. He is who He said He was. That's the system of belief. If you're a Christian, that affects your worship. Or it should be. Thirdly, every system of belief creates a resulting lifestyle. Now I want you to think about this as we're wrapping it up. Every system of belief creates a lifestyle. If, If you believe this, it creates in you a way that you behave. This is where the rubber meets the road. Historically, the character of a society is often the reflection of the God of that society. In other words, there's a lifestyle that's produced by the worship of what they believe. Every one of us has a lifestyle produced by what we worship. Every one of us. Amen. We have a lifestyle produced by what we worship. Listen to what Paul says about the church at Philippi. Brothers and sisters, join together in following my example. Also, learn by watching those who are living the way we showed you. There are many who live like enemies of the cross. Watch me. Watch those who are following me. But there are many who are living like enemies of the cross, of Christ. I've told you about them, and it makes me cry to tell you about them now. The way they are living is leading them to destruction. What have they done? they replaced God with their own desires. They do shameful things and they're proud of what they do. They think only about earthly things. But the government that rules us is in heaven. We're waiting for a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ to come from there. He will change our humble bodies and make them like His own glorious body. Christ can do this by His power with which He is able to rule everything. I'm going to break that down with a couple of comments. First thing he showed was how we should live. Follow me. Follow those who are following me. Those that are doing the pattern that Jesus said. The second thing, he confronts the error of those who are living in an ungodly manner. He's talking to believers. He began this with brothers and sisters. Many of you are living like enemies of the cross. He confronts them and says hey, pay attention to what I'm telling you. What you're doing is you're behaving like an unbeliever. And the way that you're leading is going to lead you to destruction. Thirdly, he tells them what they're doing wrong. What are they doing wrong? They've replaced God with their own desires. Their their worship of God has changed to where they're worshiping what they want. And they do all kinds of shameful things and they're proud of it. They're proud of it. Now, let, me, let me just throw out one, one little thing. Because y'all know. Y'all that are here, if you're online and you, you, you listen to us much, you know. I'm not a person that believes that if you don't show up for church every single week that you're in trouble because God's got this little board up there and he's marking it off. You know I don't believe that. But God has said clearly that we are to gather together on the first day of the week to remember the resurrection of Christ. And that we ought not to forsake that because doing that is harmful for us and for others. We ought to come together. And yet, every one of us in this room, most of us online probably, and a whole lot of people that aren't even watching, have more than one time in your life said, eh, I don't need to go to church today. I don't want to go to church today. I don't care about going to church today. I don't need to go to church today. And yet God has said we should. It's a command of God that we gather together. It was a suggestion of God. Hey, if you guys want to, y'all all get together on Sunday, hang out, Sing a couple songs, have some coffee, and a donut. Okay. Okay. He didn't say that, did he? And so, what do we worship? What is the system of belief, and what is the lifestyle? Fourthly, after telling what they're doing wrong, he tells them what should rule them. We have a government that rules us as in heaven. What does God say? It rules us. It's a government that rules us. What does God say we should do? Are we doing it? And then, lastly, he reminds them of the reward awaiting for those who live a godly manner. He said, hey, we're waiting on the Savior. And he's going to change our humble bodies and make them like his Own glorious body. And he can do it because he is Christ. The Messiah. So let's be honest today. Let's ask ourselves. Look at our life. I'll look at mine. You look at yours. Follow the path backwards. I've said all this in an order. But I want you to follow it backwards. When you evaluate yourself today ask yourself what does the way i live say about my system of belief how i'm living what does it say about what i really truly believe not what i say i believe but what i believe and what does my my lifestyle and my system of belief reveal to me About who or what I truly worship. You can say all day long you worship Jesus. When you get over here to the way you're living your life, ask yourself Does the way I live support a system of belief that points to the truth that I worship Jesus? company of men from the east traveled a long distance because they were prompted by God and scripture to follow a star at great financial cost and risk to find a little boy who was the Christ and to bow down and worship him and give of their very substance to him. They worshipped because they believed and it led to a lifestyle that moved them in that direction. As you consider these things this week, my question is this. What are you willing to do about it? Father, thank you. Thank you for this truth. It's a hard message, Lord. It's only hard when we want to buck up against it. It's not a hard message to those that that truly worship you. It's not a hard message when we love you. It's It's not a hard message when we believe what you say. Lord, may we in this coming year of 2022 confront our own system of belief by looking at the way we live. May we adjust how we behave and what we believe so that it might not be said of us that we live as enemies of the gospel and the cross, even though we're believers. Father, I pray that you would move in our lives in this week, this month, and this year to glorify you as we worship the Son of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you.